Hey, what's up, DBC fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let us explain. Well, first of all, Freddie, the best part is it's free. There's nothing better than using a free, awesome service. To make the process simple and easy, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor helps people find your show by distributing the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Also, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I like like money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We love using Anchor. It's a great platform that lets us hear from the fans and reaction theater with Anchor's Leave a Message feature. So when you create your account with Anchor, you can also utilize their feature and make your own podcast. TJ will uh, be your first guest. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Outside, door, bumper, clear the 18. I'm TJ Majors. This is Brent Griffin. Do you want inside information? You will not be able to repeat it to your kids. Best car I had here in a long time. You're going to do it. You're going to win it. Ready? Be ready. Be ready. Give me what you got here. New leader. Oh, watch out for this guy. You will learn and you will laugh. Right with you. You're clear. Check the flag. You win. Oh, yeah. Woo! White flag. Recognize. Go low. Go low. Clear. Bring home. Door, bumper, clear. Door, bumper, clear is on. Nobody's listening, but I don't care. I'm on an episode of Door, Bumper, Clear. Hey, everybody. I'm TJ Majors. I haven't spotted anybody in a while, so this is a special episode. Same, man. Brett Griffin, uh, I'm, I'm looking for Santa Claus. That's about the only thing I'm spotting these days. Do I not look enough like Santa Claus? Do I, I know I was going to say. Should, should I have made my? I don't really know wider? what you look like. I can't decide what you look like. I'm, the jury is out. I, I would welcome our listeners once they see uh, goateed up. I don't know. I mean, Hannah, what do you think he looks like? I think he looks like a bad Santa butterbean type. <laughs> bad Santa butterbean. Butter wow. Yeah. What's up, Freddie Kraft? Uh, spotter for nobody right now. Um, getting ready to get started. Just so, just finally. That's not true. You you spotted every <laughs> weekend since we left Phoenix. That is true. I just got done spotting a snowball derby for Derek Krause. That was uh, hey, your boy made it to the. Can we talk about uh, that? I mean, he actually made it to the. Future. I mean, he's always made it, but he's always had to run the stupid last chance race on Saturday night. So yeah, I saw you had Saturday night finally off. Finally timed that go? in. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I think he'll never give me Saturday night off again. He'll be. He'll probably just quit time trialing because. They have a beer stand there, so that was good. Uh, we watched the Snowflake, which was a great race right up to the last lap. I think we're going to talk about that later. Um, but, yeah, so did a little bit of spotting. My other races got canceled, unfortunately. So hopefully next year we'll get back to do the Turkey Derby. But other than that, just uh, been hanging out, waiting for, some, waiting for some Christmas presents to show up. But what's up to our guest host back again? I don't know. Are you still a guest? What's the, what's the count on shows this year? I don't know who did more. I don't know. I, I haven't looked back and seen how many I did. But yeah, Hannah Newhouse again here. 
back uh, trying to wrangle this crew in and uh, excited to actually be part of episode 200 that we're recording here right now. I can't believe they've put you guys out on airwaves for 200 episodes. That's quite amazing to me. I, I got to say, like, I felt like Steve Post's hair game was better than Hannah's. And today Hannah has showed up with her hair done. And <laughs> Hannah now is back in the lead on the MRN gang hair hair contest list. So Gee, congratulations thanks. to you. Sorry to Steve that he's now no longer number one with the strongest hair game of the MRN gang. Biggest question here, though, is... What does Hannah have on for pants? Is it pajamas today? Or is it actually pants? What? Did she get dressed? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hang on. Let me show you. Oh, no. Yeah. Please, none of you be hiking your leg up. I don't 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 get my leg that high. Yeah, I was going to say, Freddie can't get his leg that high, first of all. (laughs) And if he can. If I tried to get my leg that high, I'd fall off the back of his chair. (laughs) All right, try it. Let's see. I'm about to take this hat off. It's hot. I, I got a very bad visual of Freddie trying to get his leg in the air right now. That's not pretty. <laughs> it's yeah, not we don't good. need any broken equipment early on in this show. Freddie, why, why were you drinking beer? I thought you were on the keto diet. Me? Yeah. You can drink beer. You just can't have... On the keto diet? You can't have 20 of them like we usually do. <laughs> well, I know you didn't just have one. <laughs> I might have had a couple. Right. It's only an hour long race. Was- Oh, that that's a good nine beers that beer, uh, that I was going to say, I've seen friends. how much you yeah. can drink in an hour. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. Anyways, Freddy. that being said, guys, we did talk about it is episode 200. Uh, you guys have had a lot of interesting conversation, good memories over the last 200 episodes. Jason put together a pretty good little montage here of some of the better moments of Door Bumper Clear. All right, let's play it. Door Bumper Clear started with humble beginnings, two spotters, and a podcast. Hey everybody, I'm TJ Majors, and alongside of me is Brett Griffin. So welcome to the inaugural podcast of Door Bumper Clear. From our original crew and our lovely co-host. Hey guys, it's KB. Amish producer Josh. To today's cast of characters. Our new co-host is... Hey guys, I'm Casey Heem. New producer, Jason Thank Schultz. you. So what's up? It's Freddie Kraft. I guess the, the people have spoken and asked me to be full-time on this deal. Our lovely substitute co-host. Yeah, and I'm Hannah Newhouse. We've had a lot of cool people join the show. Hey guys, Elliot Sattler here. We obviously have Bob Pockrass. Because <laughs> people are like, gosh, what a name Pockrass. Hey, I'm Joey Logano and... Uh, <laughs> I drive, I drive the car that TJ spots. <laughs> Blake Shelton is in the house. Do you like Freddy? Oh, that makes sense. You can understand what the f*** he's saying. Give it up for Timmy Hill. Special guest, Jeff Glove. This is like my P1 of podcast. Chris Rice is in the house. What would it be? said, how? And we have laughed way too hard. The shit show. The show. <laughs> and what an idiot. Wheel. Coming to you, spotter. We currently have lost current. I can show you the data if you'd like to see it. Freddie goes, did you just order a chicken leg? I thought about posting my entire wedding album just for you, bro. Reeve goes back to Megan and says, ma'am, is this guy holding you against your will? I have severely injured my ass. So you're home with your kids. Somebody's like, hey, let's go over here. What are you, like, man, I'm babysitting. Yeah, I mean, I'm spot on. I thought it was a great move by Denny. I think everything Denny does is perfect. You shut up. Every other week, it's midget. midget week around here. Oh, we did it up. Hey, what? How many motors do you think I blew last night? <laughs> well, I, I, I think your first motor blew at 1030. The first 200 episodes have been a wild ride. And here's to another 200. If Brett doesn't offend anybody else. How does your ass feel? Good? 
<laughs> I forgot about your, that. I was there for that fully mended? Yeah, I man, talk about, about a lot of that. talk about a lot of memories, man. Uh, two hundred shows. How the hell did anybody let us stick around for two hundred shows? I mean, look, Christian Mingle was the thing that she's no longer single. Casey shows up now. She's you know pregnant, had a baby. Hannah, honey, you're you're uh, you're in a dangerous situation here around this crew. <laughs> Our hosts tend to have have a uh, they they tend to have life changing moments while they're while they're kind of helping us. Like you yeah, said, we, uh, this thing together. We've been through a lot of producers. We've ran through them. And through two. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first one sucked. <laughs> How'd you know we were getting ready to do the third, Jason? <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Merry Christmas, Jason. <laughs> yeah, Amish oh, Josh was, man. We turned Amish Josh into a thing, too. Um, but okay, wait, was he Josh actually is, Amish? Or like no, what's, he, no. he he had that he had the beard game going on, Hannah. Oh, okay. But the way he had it trimmed, he looked like an Amish guy. You know how those Amish guys have those funky beards. Yep. Uh, so he shows up with this weird beard game, and I called him Amish Josh, and it just stuck. Like Freddie. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, Freddie's got a weird beard game going too, but I don't even know how to name that thing. See, the the worst part about Josh though is he'd be like. You get there and be like, Josh, you, I mean, a guy could flip over in the race on Sunday. He'd be like, Josh, you see that car flip? Nah. Didn't see that. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it was a little difficult sometimes to talk about the race stuff. Jason Jason has his number one podcast, that redheaded deal, and he you know, at least keeps an eye on stuff for that, and then he throws us in there second. So Yeah, I went back to uh, – I was on Facebook looking for something that we had done or said – like a month ago, and I ran across one of the first videos that was ever put out of us sitting on that freaking couch um, before we got the major studio upgrade. And like, we look like a bunch of dumbasses. I mean, not that we're not yeah. still a bunch of dumbasses. I was going to say, what did that change? We literally, we literally <laughs> well, just look like we had no idea, which we still don't know what we're doing, but now we look like we know what we're doing because we got all this freaking, these resources around us. I mean, we got Jason full time. You know what happened, Freddie? You know why we got the studio, right? No. Because guess who started a podcast, and we needed a little upgrade because he didn't like being on the couch anymore. Dillner? That's right. Yeah, Dillner. The Dillner download got formed, and um, we got a studio, man. It was awesome. <laughs> Thanks, I, 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 I tell you what, though, man, like when you look at, and, and obviously, uh, you know, Mike Davis shares a lot of stuff with me. When you look back at how many millions of downloads that we've had over those 200 shows, it... Uh, Man, this is pretty special to be able to just say thank you to all the guys who to take their and gals who take their time to to listen to our shenanigans. Because I mean, we're really just a bunch of a bunch of normal guys that get together and talk shop. And, and the fact that so many people want to tune into it, man, that's pretty cool. Man, I, I'm telling you, we we haven't we haven't been having fans at the racetrack, so you kind of forgot a little bit. You know, we used to. I know TJ, Brett, you've done the same. Like at the racetrack last year, well, 2019, it would be. Four or five fans every week, you know, when you're walking to the roof. Hey, guys, love the show, whatever. And we didn't see that a lot this year because of, you know, lack of fans at the racetrack. I went to the Snowball Derby this past weekend, and I found them all. I mean, there had to be literally 20 people walking up and down Pit Road or in, in the in the line for the beers, believe it or not. Um, you know, just, <laughs> hey, you know, love the show. You guys are awesome. You know, whatever, pictures and stuff. But, uh, you know, it, it was great to see them fans again. And like you said, we, we got some of the best in the world. So it was awesome to, to interact with some of them a little bit here and there. 
Freddie's only had four people a week coming up to him. That was before the Air Freddy thing. Now he's going to have hundreds of people coming up. Oh, yeah. my gosh. People ate that up. I'm about to get natural designs on the old uh, T-shirt process there. Denny wants to stick it on the website. Uh, yeah, I don't know why you haven't made something yet, oh, man. Like, it hey. needs to be done already, like, in production. You've got right. the guy that owns the rights to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, no, like Freddie said, though, there's we go places, like Freddie said, and we used to see it every week at the racetrack, and... It's awesome to hear people come up and do that. And, you know, even I'm sure Freddie will probably get it now. You get even getting on iRacing, man. There's not a race or a practice I don't hop in where somebody doesn't say, "Hey, man, podcast is great." Um, so yeah, it's really cool to see everyone be involved and be 200 episodes in. That's a lot. That is a lot, man. That's a whole lot, man. It's uh, it's been cool. But hopefully, uh, hopefully this last one of the year, man, I'll hold you guys over. Till uh, till we get back in February uh, again, it, it looks really positive that the podcast comes back next year. Offer Pad has been a huge part, man, of our growth, and we're we're talking to those guys about an expanded role next year too. So uh, for everybody that's listening, thank you. And hell, Hannah, let's uh, let's kick this thing off. Yeah, speaking of which, like, what have you guys been doing though with your off seasons? We know Freddie's been spotting away. Brett, I think I saw you went hunting. TJ, you just don't exist when you're not spotting. But TJ tweets these days. He's like mm, tweeting yeah. all the time. That's true. I, I've sent like three tweets in the last month. <laughs> I guess that's all. That's ten that, times more than you sent all year. I know. <laughs> I guess that is. I guess that is all the time. I took my computer apart and put a video card in it. If that matters, I mean. That's exciting. That sounds fun, man. Wow, <laughs> it does. Really exhilarating. Thank you, TJ. How, how did you survive up. that? Well, I did everything very carefully. Didn't get anything electrocute. Didn't electrocute myself or. Uh, Anything like that. Um, watched a guy put Christmas lights on my house. That was exciting. So, Oh, you watched the guy because you can't do it? Didn't do it I'm himself. Not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going that high. I'm not going to that peak. Ain't not, not Anything over a story and a half, I'm not doing. It's not happening. We spot a uh, lot higher than that, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, but that's not on a ladder. I'm not climbing a ladder. I'm like the same that. way. Remember that, you remember that ladder at Dover? You probably don't. I don't. You probably, yeah, you remember that ladder at Dover, Brett? We used to have to go oh, up. Oh, yeah. And then you yeah. never... Remember trying to if you had to go up behind Big Dave on that thing, you didn't do it. You waited. No, that was that was tough. Man. Yeah, man, to I, uh, I went to Bellhaven, North Carolina, to to see my buddy Delbert Armstrong, who's a big farmer, and uh, and we went bear hunting, man. And, and I took Clint with me, and we both harvested big bears. Mine was five hundred and seventy-five pounds. Clint's was six hundred and thirty pounds. We got the two biggest of the season so far, and. Uh, and Clint, the first thing Clint said was, "This is the dumbest shit I've ever done. I'll never do it again." <laughs> what? So what happened? Because you're chasing, you're chasing the bear through the woods, and he bays, and then you go in there to him, and you're in his. I mean, literally, I'm crawling through a bear tunnel on my elbows and my hands, and I got a you know thirty all six, and and it's very intense, and and you're about. I was probably eight foot away when I shot mine, and I think he got in there and. uh I think it surprised him of how close you've got to be because it's so thick and so dark. You're hunting during the day, but again, it's just so thick in there, man. Uh, if it, it's probably one of the, it's probably the biggest adrenaline rush I've ever had, and I'm an adrenaline junkie, man. I've been extreme skiing back in the day, and and I've done a lot of dumb stuff in my life, but that one's that was intense. But anyway, at uh, 575 pound bear, and and I'm doing a full mount on this freaking thing, and all I wanted was a rug. I just wanted to cool some bear meat and a rug, and I went in and I killed this trophy bear, and I'm like, well. This thing's bigger than me and Freddie put together. I gotta, I gotta mount this thing. So that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'll name it Freddie. I think. I'm telling you, when I so when Brett got back, it was his daughter's birthday the next day. So we went to uh, the bowling alley, 
and Brett looked like he wrestled the bear to death. Like I'm talking about his whole hands and arms and legs are all cut up and bleeding. I was like, did you shoot this thing or tackle it? I'm trying to like, what was going on here? But he explained that he was yeah. crawling through brush and God knows what else. What happens if you hit it in the leg? <laughs> not a good thing. Run. Uh, no, you uh, no, you can't outrun what? a bear. No, you can't outrun a bear. Uh, I mean, you're you're going to injure it, man. I mean, that's the key to hunting anything, right? You don't want to injure it, and and it obviously have to suffer. So, um, suffer. successful shots. What if it could get to you? You're in deep trouble. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. Is somebody behind you is back up or something? Where if you hit it and make yeah, it mad. There's- yeah, there's two guys in there. We actually had three guys total in there with us because, of course, everybody wants to go in there and watch me do it and see how bad I screw it up. Um, but the way it uh, the way it plays out, man, you got help in there. Uh, but but look, man, this is it, it's it's crazy. And and look, the bear's not aggressive towards you unless it has a cub, which this was a male bear, so that wasn't a problem. Or it's injured to your point. So. Uh, the key is to when you take the shot, man, take a good shot. And and bear meat, man. People are like, I don't want to eat bear. I, I'm going to see my Nutrient Solutions folks next week. We've got a big photo shoot and video shoot with Jeb Burton all week next week, and we get to go see our buddy Ward Burton. Ward will be in the house. He's uh, eating bear. But, I promise but you, man, he's they, bear. they eat a lot of bear meat, man. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and Nicole's scared to death that I'm going to make her eat bear meat while we're up there. I don't think she'll eat a single thing that we serve for food because she's going to be afraid that it's bear meat and we're just not telling her. <laughs> See, I think you guys should have done like a mic'd up with Clint. You should have mic'd Clint up this entire experience. No, you can't talk. Went. You got to be quiet, so he wouldn't have been saying anything. <laughs> mm, I, I feel like he still probably would have been mumbling something. Could you? The first imagine? thing he said to me personally, Hannah, after this thing was over, he goes, "You got to get in better shape. You've got out of shape." Because I'm telling you, <laughs> after running through the woods and crawling through the woods, and after I shot. Uh, I was done. Like, it took me an hour to get back out. I was so fat and I was sweating so bad, so I have been on a diet since I shot at that freaking thing. How do they get your bear out? I mean, it's 500 pounds. They have, like, a four-wheeler. Like, how do they get that thing out? So the first time I went bear hunting, we actually took a front-end loader into the woods to get it out, and, and it obviously tore the woods up. And, and, and the crazy part is um, it's so thick down there. If you went back a year later, you couldn't even tell anything had happened because it grows up that fast the cutover does. So now they've got a winching system, so they actually cover the head of the bear and then they've got a winching system that ultimately just runs him through the woods and you just walk with him and help him get over some of the different terrain and it, it's pretty it's pretty crazy man they've uh they've come a long ways Jeez, so it's not like when dale jr goes deer hunting they go out there and tie like a 14 pointer to a tree and let him climb up in a stand and shoot it <laughs> <laughs> no man ain't nothing like that uh Good shot, buddy. Good shot. I I would love to take you and Freddie down there and have you chase these bears around because I don't want to be normal. I feel like I'd be confused with a bear. I might get shot. What's the what's the what's the weirdest thing about the whole process is the guy who farms all the land down there, Delbert Armstrong. He is the first guy to the bear, no matter where the freaking bear's at. Like you can turn loose a twenty-year-old in tip-top shape, boom, go to the bear. And Delbert is sixty years old. And and not sixty, but he's he's older than I am. I'm forty five. He's first guy to bear every time, and he's just a mountain man looking dude, and probably the toughest guy I know. Man, it's uh, there's not if anybody ever invites you to go black bear hunting, go because it's the coolest thing ever. Nah, yeah, the the <laughs> coolest thing I've ever done is shot coyotes from a helicopter. 
When oh, I went to Blake, yeah, I went to Blake's Ranch in Oklahoma, and uh, he had a buddy, and we went on some land because man, coyotes are they're a nuisance to a lot of a lot of cattle farmers and, and other farmers in general, and it's completely legal. Uh, and we were we were in this helicopter, and I'm hanging outside of a 12 gauge, pow 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 pow, like that was the most fun thing I've ever done. But the biggest adrenaline rush, hands down, is Jeez. black bear hunting with dogs. Sounds like Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> we do coyote hunting at our house too, and like our our family has it in Montana. We chase them in trucks, in the farm trucks out across the fields, and you got one that veers it in, and the other one you're chasing it, and you, they try and chase the coyotes at you, and we'd shoot them out the back window of the truck on the fields. So fun. It's like Duke's a hazard, but you got a gun. Yeah. <laughs> he, I'd rather yeah. shoot a coyote because when you at least some, at least it's running from you. Here's what would happen. You got to bore a bear. I would mm. fall out of the helicopter. I would crash the truck. <laughs> Like none of this stuff would go well for me. I'm guaranteeing it. I don't. It just wouldn't Freddy be. Freddie, forget good. to load the gun. Here <laughs> yeah. comes the bear, Freddie. Shoot it. Click. Oh no. Safety we need a door bumper clear hunting trip. Oh my! No, we don't. <laughs> nah. But yeah, man. Other than that, um, off season has been extremely busy. Uh, been working on a trying to bring a new sponsor into the sport. Not done yet. Hopefully, something that happens in the next couple weeks. And uh, Nutrinac Solutions, man, they've, they've kept me busy trying to get everything in line for their their season next year. And, and you know, TJ's obviously been watching people put up his Christmas lights. Congratulations. Freddie's been spotting everything that moves. I think he's maybe finally done now till 2021. So, Hannah, what about you? What you been doing? Uh, well, we still did a lot of traveling as well once the season ended. Uh, Dylan went out in California and ended up in, on his lid in Bakersfield Ooh, crazy uh, for rat. the USAC race. Yep. And then we went to Merced. And spent Thanksgiving out in Idaho, and so we're we're back home now. And it's been the first week we've really been home since you know race season start or ended. So I'm still painting cars. Um, that's what I'm doing after this. I'm gonna go paint some cars and trying to get my 2021 plans, you know, all figured out. The lovely life of a freelancer has been super fun this year uh, and going into 2021. So we're so home I'm unemployed for, a for 2021. Are you unemployed too? Partially, yeah. Yeah. Brett's yeah. partially unemployed yeah. too. I'm partially unemployed too. <laughs> yeah. At the moment, I only have like uh, 12 races that I'm scheduled for, and they're radio races. So a lot of my other stuff is fan involved. Speaking of fans, speaking of fans, the Snowball Derby had a lot of fans. Freddie, how many people Holy were there? Cow. I, I don't know. It, as many as it would hold. Like sold out crowd. So I mean, standing room only. It looked like. I mean, there was there, there was was there a, was there a mask shortage down there? I didn't see anybody wearing masks. I believe I saw five masks out of the ten thousand people. What a bunch of f- idiots! Why didn't they have masks on, man? Like I'm all for us having normalcy return. I'm all for <laughs> us being able to go do things literally like the snowball derby, like the Daytona 500. I went to a college football game and saw us, uh, saw the Georgia South Carolina game. I'm going to a, a basketball game next week with next weekend, uh, limited capacity, obviously, but man, why, why didn't nobody mask up? That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Could it don't, I don't think it exists in Florida. Yeah. I don't know why there wasn't a mandate either. And like, that's, well, they were, that was, they were announcing, I mean, it was kind of like they had a script where they had to read it where it was, you know, everybody wear your masks, everybody social distance. Literally, people were sitting on each other's laps. So I don't know where they thought people were going to they, – they sold out as many tickets as they could. So there was no there was no room to social distance. Um, and there was certainly they – had, they, had they had a thermal body scan at the gate. Everybody had to go through the same gate to get there, which is probably not very bright. But 
they had a thermal body scan that would show, I guess, if somebody had a temperature, and you ran through that every day. And then uh, that was pretty much the end of the regulations from what I saw. I am pro-mask, man. I wear my mask when I'm out. I know TJ wears his mask. Man, I, I was disappointed to see the, how irresponsible that many people were being. And look, I'm not being a freaking, what do they call them, a Karen or whatever. Uh, it's just your body. You're, you're the one putting yourself at risk. But we know the mask matters. And to, to have that many people in one spot with no mask on was just flat out stupid. I, I think I saw the last chance race when it had it was showing people cross their front stretch stuff. And I was like, I was thinking the same thing. Like, uh, did everyone forget their masks or what's going on here? Uh, yeah, so I was really surprised at that as well. I, it could it could hurt stuff going forward, especially with, with us, too. You never know. I mean, you just got to do your part. I know you, not many people, you know, not everyone believes in the same stuff, but it's been proven that masks help stop the spread of it, which is all we're trying to do. So in my opinion is, you know, until the vaccine comes out and stuff. But, you know, just do your part. Yeah, I was surprised to not see them really, like, regulate that, especially with how much, you know, attention's been put on the Chili Bowl coming up and how they're now at only 25% grandstand capacity. They're only going to do limited, you know, pit pass ticket sales. Everyone's going to have to wear a mask because that's that draws a similar crowd as far as, like, you know, amount of people. And they are, like, not letting people in unless you have a mask. They said they're kicking people out if you're caught without a mask on, you know, whatever it is. So I was surprised to not see... Chili Not Bowl enforced. doesn't scare me as much because prob- the fumes would probably kill it anyway. The, ch- the mask should have been a- mandatory <laughs> for the last 15 years of the Chili Bowl. For real. <laughs> the Chili Bowl flu is a real thing. A <laughs> yeah. The Chili Bowl flu. That's, yeah, that's, that's, a, bad, yeah, that's, no that's a bad deal. We could go Before we actually get started, let's hear more about our presenting sponsor of OfferPad. Christmas is right around the corner, and Freddie, I wanted to get you a really, really special gift um i don't think i want to know what that is what are you worried about freddie brett got you a big gift to go with your big new contract from denny that's right tj i have a big package i bought freddie a brand new home on offerpad.com one with a big enough closet for all of his new air freddies (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's pretty nice of you brett but what am i gonna do at my current home well, you're going to sell it with OfferPad. First, log on OfferPad.com and take five minutes to tell OfferPad about your home piece. While you're filling out that form, be sure to select the NASCAR option so OfferPad knows that we sent you. Once you submit it, just wait 24 hours and OfferPad will be in touch with a cash offer. Look over your offer, Freddie, and take it. Then you can get started packing your things. And don't worry about moving your stuff, though. That's right. Since you're moving locally, man, OfferPad includes a free local move. We'll help move everything out of your garage bar right into your new home. Man, this sounds like a great Christmas gift. I get a competitive cash offer from OfferPad.com on my current home, and I get a new home, and TJ has to work for me. What could be better? Be like Freddy. Have a big-ass couch. Go get a cash offer on your home today on OfferPad.com. for spot on spot off and the nice thing is we have actual race car stuff to talk about um during this even though we have been off the road for quite some time first one here is the daytona road course replaces fontana on the 2021 schedule spot on spot off brought you can start 
Oh, hey, uh, here we go. Spot on, man. Uh, I think this was a smart move on NASCAR's part because the last thing we need to do is two weeks before this race realize that Weirdville out there has made some new law and they're not going to let us come. And we're scrambling from a logistics standpoint and a rules standpoint trying to figure out how to fix a major problem. So um, I'll be honest with you, man, if we don't get things rolling, I think Sonoma's already in jeopardy the way that California's operating out there. And the area of L.A., what a complete shit show that is, man. Uh, I'm happy I don't live there. I feel like I live in the cousin to California, North Carolina, with this clown of a governor we've had lately. But, man, spot on for NASCAR for, for coming in and doing that. I think it's a smart move. However, I think Freddie brought up some valid points on Twitter, which I'm sure he'll allude to here in a minute, about what that race may mean for some people. Yeah, I mean, I'm spot on for moving it. You know, I think you get ahead of the game. Like you said, I think Sonoma's in trouble I think you look ahead, maybe Watkins Glen could be in trouble, you know, just, and you look anywhere that's super, super liberal, like New York, um, obviously the upstate area is not quite as liberal, but if the, you know, if Cuomo decides the state's shut down, it's state shut down. Um, but, uh, yeah, just the, the fact that I feel like you're giving an unfair advantage right now, the clash is however they put it together. It was, you know, the couple poll winners we had before qualifying got canceled, I think is a chase guys, I assume, and then stage winners. Um, so, so you now you filled the field with guys that that are going to have an unfair advantage over. I think there's 18 or 19 guys, so that's half the field is going to have an unfair advantage if we don't go back and practice. We didn't let we didn't get to practice last year, and they put stipulations in place where guys couldn't run other races because it was going to be an unfair advantage to to run the Xfinity race and the cup race or the truck race and the Xfinity race. So now you're going to turn around and give that same advantage to these guys that are going to run the clash and then two weeks later come back and run a points-paying race on the same racetrack. Um, you know, I think, you, I think you've got options. You could, you could just take the clash and put it back on the oval. I, I don't understand. Some people were talking about cars, you know, the amount of cars you would need for that, but I mean, we've that's how we've done it for I don't know how many years that we've had had a clash now. So I I think that would be the way I would like to see that go. Like just put the clash back on the oval. But the other option is open up the clash to everybody, which I don't. I feel like the clash with with nineteen cars or eighteen cars, whatever it is, on that track is going to get really strung out. It's going to be a pretty boring race. Um, Super boring. I don't know. I don't know why you would want that if you have another option, but. And, you know, we that, we know that they did this because of the car, right? I mean, the, the original plan was they were going to run the last generation car on the road course and then go to the, the next gen for the plate race. Well, that's all washed. That's all out the window now. So we don't have to do that. You're going to bring bring in all the same generation cars down there. Just just run the oval with all the you know with the with the clash guys or get rid of the clash. I mean, you've set this field off a kind of a hodgepodge way. It's not it's not the pole winners like it always is. Like. Let's just get rid of the clash, go down and run the run the duels and, and be done with it. I don't think TV lets no, us get rid of it. No, they're not. I know. But I just I just feel like I, it's an unfair advantage no matter how you cut it. People have said you can add a practice to the, to the points-paying race on week two, but it's still an advantage to the guys that got to run a whole race there two weeks earlier. You know, you, you're given an advantage to half the field, and there's got to be some way to balance that out. I don't think you're given an advantage to half the field. I think – uh, who's won the last however many road courses anyway yeah i mean that that's gonna be to me it's not just about the win though it's about you know no but yeah the track time but this is an opportunity to to uh, we've already proven we can go somewhere new and, and run good um 
even the field out. There's plenty of other places we could still go. Um, there, there's other racetracks that are still in good weather at that point in time that we could go experiment with and do something else. I just think running the clash there, like you said, is um, unfair to some of the guys that won't that won't have the track time. But we already know who's going to be really strong. Yeah, but uh, New Smyrna's not that far away. New Smyrna's right there. I mean, my my point is not the guys that are going to be strong. My point is the guys that are going to have a race. Like Bubba could do Bubba. Just what he learned in the race last year, from the start of the race to the end of the race, was night and day. Now you give him another race, he's going to get even better. But now he's going to sit on the sidelines and watch maybe Ty Dillon get to run a race because Ty Dillon won a stage last year. Or Chris Buescher is going to get to run. Guy, guys that, you know, maybe battling for the back half of the top 10, top 20, you know, now these half of these guys are getting an advantage to run laps where where you're sitting and watching. You're not, it's not just about, you know, we well, obviously Chase Elliott's gone out and dominated all the road courses for the last year and a half or whatever it's been. Yeah, he's going to be strong, but and he's going to be in the race. So now you've given this guy even more track time over guys that – that need it, you know what I mean? So it's more about just who's going to be good. It's about getting everybody the fair amount of track time, I think. All right, next one here. Uh, we kind of started talking about it earlier on in the show, but the Snowflake 100 winner down at New Smyrna, uh, the winner, Stephen Nassie, was disqualified for the last corner move on Bubba Pollard. And you can watch that video if you don't know what we're talking about on Speed51's social media. It came down to... Turn four, coming to the checkered, was disqualified after spinning Pollard. What do you guys think about that one, TJ? Uh, I think it's garbage, to be honest with you. That, I, I don't. I didn't see – I've watched a lot of races from there. I've never spotted a race there, but I've watched a lot of races, and I know that Bubba Pollard has – and the fact that he wasn't mad after the race tells me – it looked to me like he got bumped – and was trying to get back down to pinch Steven. Who, I mean, who wouldn't? You're not just going to try to let that guy draw. Oh, you hit me. Here you go. No, you're going to try to get back down to him to get in his door, slow him down. Anything you can do to stop his progress because that's what you're racing. Um, that's what I saw Bubba do, and he just lost control of it and spun out. I, I don't see uh, – he didn't just go in there and wreck the guy and spin him out. Uh, so I, I, I think it's – that's short tracking to me. Uh I don't know. Freddie's on a lot of races there, so he probably knows more about how that track, the flow of the race and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you, the the obviously the Snowball Derby is the one of the probably the most tightly officiated races in the country from both the tech side of it and the race director side of it. Um, you could play devil's advocate, and there there is a rule. Where Nicholas Rogers does a great job. He is the race director for the Snowball Derby. He's the race director for a lot of stuff that goes on down there. Uh, New Smyrna, he's at. Um, but there's a rule in the SRL series where you you can't touch the leader on the last lap. It's a super late model series, and I know that Nicholas probably is it would be in favor of that rule for down there. And the rule is simply if you touch the leader on the last lap, you're getting penalized. You know you can't run in the back of them. You can't knock them in the door. Whatever, like that's a penalty, and everybody knows that. So they 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 don't do it. Um, would I have made this call? No, not in a million years. Like TJ said, Stephen went in there, clean bump and run, got underneath him, knocked him up a lane, got underneath him. Bubba's trying to gas the throttle up to try and get down on his door to beat him to the line, and gets himself and turns himself around. The problem being here, I think, is if TJ Majors 
or Brett Griffin or Hannah Newhouse goes in the corner and does that to Bubba Pollard, they win the race. Steven Nassie has kind of made himself a reputation to, I'm nasty Nassie, I'm going to do whatever it takes. When they came off of turn two, everybody in that racetrack knew what was getting ready to happen in turn three. And it makes it easier. To, like, if you... If you set yourself up to be the bad guy, they're gonna you're gonna lose judgment calls a lot of times. And I mean these these guys have had a war with this officiating crew ever since Steven got disqualified in the snowball derby last year. You know, there's been things said in the media about back and forth. We went to the drivers meeting first thing in the morning, Sunday morning, and Steven's crew chief started a fight with Ricky Brooks in the middle of the drivers meeting. So so you can't you cannot put yourself in this position to where you're going to be public enemy number one for the officials and expect to win any kind of judgment call. I go to the circus to see the animals. I don't go to see the clowns. And the clowns are running the circus, making calls like that. I did not follow the Snowball Derby at all the next day. I didn't attempt to watch video clips. I didn't attempt to watch it on TV. I didn't follow it on social media. Because when you're screwing up the show that bad from an officiating standpoint, why would I invest my time following along when I don't trust the circus anymore. So congratulations to the clowns. You control the circus and you lost a fan. And I think it's become, for me. Spot off. That it's been more and more prevalent the last couple of years as far as them getting super involved. Like I've followed, you know, the snowball derby for as long as I can remember because it's the biggest super race. So that's as a super late model driver what you aspired to eventually race. And I don't really recall, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago with the Derby it being constantly called in the tech shed or but, you know, you hear about Chase Elliott losing it because of tungsten or whatever. Um, but it's just kind of gotten out of control. And I watched that clip, too, when it happened and definitely was it's, frustrated. But you, you can't expect – I didn't – I don't tune into that race to see a guy follow a guy and not be able to right. – It's short track racing. You want to – the reason you run short tracks is because the cars are closer together and they can touch and not wreck and not have these big wrecks. Rubbin's racing. And that's what happened. You can't – like Freddie said, though, I feel like – and it shouldn't be like this. They they threw him out because of who he is. It shouldn't matter who it is. I paid the money to watch that race to see a guy go for it and win the race. And he didn't wreck. If he would have went in there and flat out turned him, I would be upset with it. And I wouldn't say that's a legit move to do. And I would have think he should be disqualified at that point. But he did not go in there and intentionally wreck a guy. I would expect Bubba Pollard to do the same exact thing to him to win the race. It's a It's a big race. In- they made the call. I support the call. But then they had hours to correct the call. They had instant replay. Bubba Pollard either, A, spun himself out trying to get back on the guy's door, or he spun himself out trying to wreck the guy. I don't know which one is which. But at the end of the day, Nass didn't wreck that guy. That guy wrecked himself. And yeah. that's why that's why the freaking call should have been overturned. Any Anybody that knows racing that has any common sense fixes that call. And the guy that didn't fix the call, again, is a clown, and I'm done. I probably won't buy that race next year because the guy in second has no shot at passing the guy if they're running close and getting into him and stuff. I want to see rubbing. I want to see guys going for it. You just took that out of it. You just took the short track racing out of short track racing, in my opinion. That Put your big boy pants on and make the right call, the, TJ. The, that's what well, they, that's, they screwed that's up. Why, but that's why Bubba wasn't mad. I think Bubba understood it. Bubba knew it was coming. Bubba, Bubba knew what he did. Bubba knew that he spun because he exactly. was trying to get back down the hill. And Derek Thorne talked about it, which I guess you guys didn't watch the Derby. Derby was an unbelievable race. Um, Majeski, Derek Thorne and Ty Majeski yeah. had a hell of a race at the end there. And and Majeski moved Thorne out of the way with two to go, maybe to get the lead back. 
But it just, you know, same, like almost same situation, got in the back of him, probably not as hard as Steven did, and moved him up a lane. And, and Thorne said, if I really wanted to, I could have spun out there and screwed both of our days up because they would have had no choice but to put Ty to the back uh, because of what happened the night before. So that's the part that it's I don't a fast like. race track, man. It's such a cool track to go to. One of my favorite tracks I've ever been to, man. Literally, and then, but but officiating can screw up games, and that's what they did. Yeah, I, I don't agree with with. I think Rookie Brooks saved the Snowball Derby. I don't know, ten years ago or so, and everybody talks about how often somebody gets disqualified. It's because it happens. It doesn't happen often. It happened last year. The time before that was three or four years before with Christopher Bell. You know, I would rather go to a race, and I think a lot of competitors would go to a race where you know it's a black and white rule book. There's no, there's no depending on who you are. There's no, all right, you know, this is a great, no, it's black and white. And if you break a rule, Stephen Nassi, what he got disqualified for was a joke, but it was a rule. It didn't help him win the race. It didn't have anything to do with the effect of the outcome, but it was in the rule. No titanium pieces in your brakes. And he had a titanium piece in his brakes. So, you know, I, I would, I think, I've seen Ricky get a lot of hate for being the show and, and the problem with that is, I think they knew before the race. That's possible. If you know, the, and I, 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 I think I they knew before year. the race. I tweeted last you year know? that you shouldn't do that. You should not let a car that you know is illegal start a race. So if you knew it yeah. then, then that's wrong. You should have had the opportunity. Because honestly, to I'm not. I'm not. Wasn't part of that crew or anything. What if they? What if they missed it? You know, and I, you know what I mean. Hey, we heard this is in your car. Please make sure it's not in there before the race. Yeah. Yeah, give you them know? the opportunity. Just say, hey, we, we heard that we heard this. If if it's true, I'm not, take a, it out. I'm not a huge Steven Nassie fan, but come on, man, he makes it exciting. Yeah. You, you I would watch that oh. race knowing that he's gonna make it exciting. Listen. And I've seen him riding there, riding third, fourth, second, knowing that he's gonna be a factor at the end and make it good. I mean, that's what I want. You You're just ruining. have to They're know that. I spot for Jimmy Blewett. I've spotted for Jimmy Blewett for many years in the modifieds. And Jimmy Blewett is the most He drove ag- similar. He is the most aggressive modified driver there is. And I knew going into any race that we were going to lose any judgment call because of Jimmy's reputation and the way Jimmy drives. If we got in the back of somebody at the end of a race or something like that, we were getting set down or any time in the race. We were getting set down. So you have to drive with that in the back of your mind. And, you, and, I, and that was his only shot to win a race. So there's no points. There's no. I'm sure the snowball doesn't pay a lot of money. So it, it is what it is. You go in there and try to win the race it, it, and, and let, make, make them make the call, I guess. Yeah, they're definitely spending quadruple what they're winning to win that race. But moving on from that, because I feel like we can talk about that for a hot minute. Um, there's been a lot of post-silly season news, more or less from the spotter side of things. So um, some of that that news for spotters is uh, Jones's new spotter is Rick Corelli. Bell now has Reeves. Uh, you're, of course, staying with Wallace at uh, the new team. Suarez has Barkdahl. Um, Chris Monez goes from Ty Dillon to Larson. Drew Herring is replacing Clayton Hughes for Truex and Hughes will spot for McDowell. Also McReynolds will spot for Chastain. Um, Jeff is going to LaJoy. Hasn't been a spotter announced for Briscoe. Uh, is it Earl Barbin? Barbin? Mm-hmm. No longer at Hendrick. And then it says Brett Griffin not expected to do full time. Lot to uh, Brett hasn't done full time spotting in like five years, just for the record. But <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I mean, you got a couple big names, you know, there's some guys that are coming off the roof full time. Uh, Earl, obviously, the, the biggest name of well, 
biggest name in the group there, um, just with Jimmy. I think he's uh, Brett probably knows a little more. I think he's going to work with Jimmy, right? Or or and spot yeah, some of his. He's going to work for Jimmy Johnson directly, uh, which is a great opportunity for Earl. Man, Earl had a. 33-year career in NASCAR. When I met Earl, he was a car chief for Rusty Wallace. He was an underneath guy, obviously. Uh, worked on the race cars. He was a jack man. He started spotting probably around 2002 or 2003. And the first elevator ride that we did at Daytona after his first practice session, he looked at me and he said, you guys are a bunch of idiots. How the hell do y'all do this? And he obviously uh, and ended up being a great spotter and, and winning races, championships with Jimmy Johnson. So he's off to do Jimmy's partial schedule and IndyCar, the road course stuff, and take care of a lot of Jimmy's personal assets. So uh, awesome for Earl. Obviously, Rocky Ryan, longtime guy on the roof. He was spotting trucks um, for a very long time when I started spotting Cup, I think. And, and I think he ended up probably at like a 20 six twenty seven year run or something like that on the roof, which is an extremely long time. Uh, I think he went back to, to Nashville to work there for, for that road course still they've got going on the Grand Prix or whatever. So um I, I gotta say, man, a couple big surprises here. Uh Chris Mon as to Kyle Larson. Uh, what a great opportunity for Chris. He spotted a long time, to my knowledge, has never won a race and, and he's put himself in a position here to go out and, and win a lot of races because Kyle Larson is going to come back with a vengeance and, and I think obviously gets in a very fast car. So so good for Chris Monez. Uh Just goes to show that um, patience and, and hard work pays off. Um, Jeff Doucette, I, I don't know a lot about him. Was kind of surprised to see that name pop up for Corey. Uh, I know Corey has high expectations going into this season for, for what he's trying to do. So obviously he was looking for, for a new spotter to, to carry him and help him get to the next level. So uh, I can't really comment on that one because I don't know a, a whole lot about it. The Drew Herring thing really surprised me. Uh, Drew's a great guy, good race car driver, a uh, big part of Toyota racing development on the sim side. And people don't realize all the things that he does on and testing and, and sim. But to my knowledge, he's never spotted a plate race, never spotted a cup race. And holy Daytona 500, it's right around the corner, bud. So uh, watch some film, get ready. I, I think Martin Truex and Kyle Larson both, and I don't mean any discredit to people who have spotted for him, because actually I've spotted for Truex before myself. Uh, we, we finished second at Fontana in Xfinity race a long time ago. But um, I don't think they rely a lot on spotters for whatever that means. I don't know if it's because they don't trust the information or haven't had good information in the past. Um, but but I, I'm, I, I think that... Those two guys out of the whole field, maybe Kyle Busch, um, they don't rely on spotters a lot. When I look at Clint Boyer, you look at Bubba Wallace, you look at Joy Logano, they realize the resource and tool that we could be to them, and, and they leaned on us a lot and, and relied on us a lot to be able to help them. Um, I, I got to say about this Truex thing, man, I, I don't know that this was a Martin decision. I really think that they probably went back as an organization, Freddie, and looked at Kentucky and looked at Michigan and said, had he gotten different information, had he made different blocks, had he treated it like TJ Majors and Joey Logano treat it, that they wouldn't have been in a situation where they would have lost the race, TJ. So, I, 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 again, I'm not privy to all the radio conversations, but going back and seeing some of those replays, I feel like that probably, TJ, had a lot to do with some of the changes um, that they happened across the board as far as guys. Um, last one I'll speak to, Brandon McReynolds. Again, great guy. Uh, really enjoy spending time with Brandon, a successful race car driver. Um haven't seen him spot cup races before in a competitive situation, so a big opportunity for him uh, with a rookie. And, and I think the challenge is with some of these guys, you know, like Briscoe, who, as Hannah said, does not have a spotter yet, you're going to the racetrack 
for the first time ever in a cup car with no practice. And we saw Cole Custer go out and win a race. Outside of that, man, he spent a lot of weekends really struggling the first three quarters of the schedule. So if you put a guy like a Briscoe with a spotter that doesn't have a lot of experience like a Drew Herring, you're creating a complete recipe for a disaster. You better put a rookie with an experienced spotter, especially in today's world, TJ. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. You need to, um, to me, they, the, the Briscoe thing, if you knew that was going to happen like that, they needed to be working on that long beforehand, have a game plan laid out for that. Uh, definitely going to be, definitely going to be tough for guys like Drew. I know Drew's a racer. He's got a, I know, um, I race late models against Drew. He's pretty solid race car driver himself, short tracker. So I think going to a, there's nothing like spotting a plate race. You can you can look at it all you want in the film, but I promise you, when when we're going green, he's going to be nervous because there's a there <laughs> he's is a shifting. He'll shift his pants. There is a lot going on, and man, he's on a, a championship caliber team, so there's going to be a lot of lot of expectations there. And same with Monez. He's going. The only only good thing about Monez is he's like you said, Larson. Just Kyle. Just ha- has a natural grasp on what's going on around him and just likes to do it himself a lot. So it's not going to require a ton of, a ton of um, information just because Kyle Prost, Kyle does a lot of that himself. And yeah, like whatever reason he just, he likes to do it. Um, so it's going to be a little easier for him, but you know, congrats to him for getting that deal and, and uh, you know, big step for him. Now it's time to perform with it, but just the rookies, man. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the. And we're going to Daytona. <laughs> we're not going to, you know, we're not going to a short track where some of these guys would be right at home. We're going to Daytona, and it's way easier to start this season off on the on the front side of things, having a good run there. Your season seems to go a lot smoother than it does, you know, having to crawl out of a hole. So, you know, big big pressure for some of these guys, and that's a. This is probably some of the most turnover with uh bigger cars that we've had in, in years i mean there's a lot of new guys a lot of new guys a lot of a lot of a lot of shirt changing going on here i'll tell you the the biggest thing and, and we've talked about this probably on here before when you, when it comes to spotting there's there's basically two different races going on in a cup race and it's the guys that are contending for the win and it's the guys that are contending for the lucky dog you know, and it's it's almost like two different sets of strategies, two different sets of, you know, wave arounds and, and just a lot of it is just knowing the rules. Aside from the spotter side of it, it's just knowing when you're going to pit when you're the lucky dog. Uh, you know, are you has all the lead lap cars pitted? Um, and and that stuff is harder sometimes than I mean, we get questions every week from guys that have been up there forever. You see a guy. Um, you know, I'm not calling any names out, but there's guys that are normally contending for a win where they, they get a cut tire or a loose wheel in the middle of a race, and now they're a lap down, and they have no idea where the wave rounds go, does the lap card goes behind the wave round, like no idea because they've never done that before. And at the same time, now you're going to have a guy like Monez who's been, that's my crowd, you know, that's my, we've been, we're, we're battling our ass off for that 15th place, lucky dog, you know, we haven't been in a position to contend for wins yet, so I know like what to look for, what what you're looking for, who you're racing, where they're at, you know, how's this pitch strategy cycle going to break down? 
Um, but it's going to be a world of difference for like Chris Monez to go from being in that crowd to to now you're contending for a win every week with a guy that's that's dead set on winning. Um, you know, it's a, it's a different set of information that you're going to have to be providing to him. And I'm sure Monez will be fine. He took a class in something last year about the rule book, so he'll be good. I, I'm sure that's – It's a lot easier, man, to spot for a fast race car oh, than it yes. is a car. What you're talking about, I mean, when you're battling for that lucky dog and you're waving around and you're doing all that stuff, man, you're spotting your tail off. When you're up there running fourth or fifth, it's a whole lot easier. Now, I will say this. In today's world, in today's package with this car going so fast through the center of the corner, ridiculously fast through the center corner, you have to have a spotter. And and I'm look, I'm going to say this with TJ sitting here. You got to have a spotter like TJ in order to win the race. If you got Harvick breathing down your freaking throat, because if if if, if it's Chris Monez, he better be knowing what TJ did uh, last year to be able to keep maintain that lead. Because if that guy cracks the plane of your bumper, he's going to drive by you with a car that's three or four tenths faster than you. So um, at the same time, it's easier to spot in the front, maintaining the lead with today's package, Freddie. Maybe not so it's, easy. It's there's there's no room to be conservative anymore. And and that's not even for the lead. You know, that's all the way through the field because if you can you have a restart and you're fifteenth, say, and you could hold a guy off for a couple laps on a restart, good chances he's not getting around you the rest of the run. You know what I mean? But you have to be aggressive on them restarts and call stuff a lot closer than you're probably used to calling it because it, it means that much more. You know, if you can hold that position, if you get shuffled to the top there, you might lose four spots. But now if you hold that one position, you might hold that same position for throughout the run. And like you said, you know, just you know, you can make mistakes running thirtieth and nobody's gonna notice. You make a mistake at Kentucky and block and miss a block for the win, everybody sees it. So, you know, it's 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 That's reality. It's, it's reality, you know, you want it's do you want the ball? End of the game, do you want the ball? And uh, you know, I think I want the I think ball, three baby. of us all sit on here before I, we want the ball, but I'll take the ball. Yeah. For sure. For sure. You know, I will say that I've spotted in that position before. I've been in cars that ran there before uh moving over to, to Dale Jr. and and being with him until Joey. But I will say now it is easier it is easier spotting a car up front but there's way more preparation and what your expectations for the spotter are way higher when you get there you you need you like you better know your stuff uh you know i know when joey calls me on tuesday or wednesday and we get ready to talk i better know what's getting ready to happen like i better know he expects that of me and that's when you get put in them situations like kansas you gotta, you gotta, um, you gotta execute. And talking about things like that, being on the same page, being able to understand the information that you're trying to give, you know, you're giving him. You gotta prepare for that, them type of situations, and and you you really you gotta know your stuff. So for the guys that are Monez, you know, he he's gonna the expectations are gonna be higher for him. So he better, you know, he's probably got to put some more time in and, and be ready to do that. Well, there's been more switch-ups outside of just the spotters as well. Um, the next spot on, spot off here is that Kyle Busch and Adam Stevens are splitting up. Stevens will now crew chief Christopher Bell. Brett, you can start that one. Wow, who did Kyle get? I apologize. I haven't ben, followed this. Ben Bishore from uh, Harrison's guy. Oh, from Xfinity. Well, look, man, it, uh, you got to win. And, and Kyle Busch is one of the best drivers 
in the field, and for whatever reason, he wasn't winning. The odd thing is, the year before, he was winning and won a championship. Uh, when we went to no practice and when he stopped running all those lower series, I think it had more of an impact on him not winning than the crew chief. Uh, but my opinion is, my grandma always said, opinions are like buttholes. Everybody's got one. My opinion really don't matter on that side of things. Um, but but spot on for, uh, for new opportunities, obviously. When you're an Xfinity Series crew chief and you have a guy like Harrison Burton, who has raced seven days a week, a lot of weeks of his life, and gets in a car of that caliber, goes out, wins three races, including a back-to-back win, back-to-back wins in the playoff. Like, he beat guys that were in the playoff, and he wasn't in the playoff when he won Texas and Martinsville. Huge accomplishment. So when you're that crew chief, you're sitting here, and you're having the time of your life, and then your phone rings, and they say, hey, you want a you crew chief for Kyle Busch? Hey, I'm going to tell you something. You give me Kyle Busch, you give me Kevin Harvick, you give me Kyle Larson, you give me Denny Hamlin. Like, there's certain guys that if your phone rings to go work for guys of that caliber, you say yes. And and to me, that's a guy that you 100%. Hey, do you want to come spot for Kyle Busch? Yes. You want to crew chief Kyle Busch? Yes. You want to be a, a tire guy for Kyle Busch? Yeah. Hey, you want to come sweep the floors in the hauler for Kyle Busch? Yes. So congratulations to that crew chief, man. Big opportunity spot on for him. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously a big opportunity for Ben. Uh, him and Kyle actually worked together in Xfinity uh, in 2019. I think they had seven starts and four wins or something like that. So he's already won more than half the races he's run with Kyle. So that was it'll be a good fit for Kyle, somebody he's familiar with. I think it's a great move on Gibbs's part to put um, Adam Stevens with Christopher Bell. I think that's only going to help Christopher. Adam's a super crew chief, a great guy. Really assertive, you know. You know, you don't have to wonder where you stand with Adam. So, I think it's a great move on their part to put him with Bell, somebody that Bell really could use, lean on for, you know, for some help next year. Yeah, I think it's a great move. I think Christopher Bell is the big winner on this so far. Adam Stevens, I think, is a great crew chief. Kyle just had a, for whatever reason, had an off year, and it kind of seems like, seems like him and it seems like the 11 and 18 kind of go back and forth. One of them have a really good year one year, and then the other one, like, they never seem to have combined good years, you know. And then, I don't know, they seem to go through some crew chiefs there as well as far as when one team has a really good year, the other doesn't. They all, you know, oh, we better change crew chiefs up. But whatever reason, it also seems to work as well. The other guy comes back strong. And, you know, if you would have told me before this year, I would have said Kyle could win anywhere from three to six races this year pretty easily. And what did he win? He won one race? Yeah, he won one race, and I'm not so sure Chris Ravel couldn't have won that race either. So <laughs> here's, the, here's the weird thing that people need to understand, man. Gibbs is big on promoting from within. Like if Internal. we had heard yeah. if we had heard on the roof that Martin Truex was looking for a new spotter, um a lot of spotters would have reached out to Joe Gibbs Racing to try to to get that job. The crew chiefing role over there is completely different. We all kept hearing rumors that they may be switching up crew chiefs, but at no point did really any of us think it would be an outside guy because that's just kind of not the way they roll. They tend to they tend to groom their guys, which they have the ability to do so. They got so many Xfinity cars they're running. Um, they they're able to groom engineers, they're able to groom crew chiefs, they're able to groom drivers. And Toyota obviously has a big hand in, in Gibbs. I mean, they're the flagship team without a doubt for Toyota. So uh, it, it's just it's cool to see how they go about things and obviously extremely successful organization hi we're offerpad the new way homes are sold go to offerpad.com tell us about your home and we'll send you a great purchase offer 
Or if that's not your style, we can also list your home with tons of free offer pad services. Hi! I was able to sell my home, purchase my dream home, as well as get my loan through them, handyman services, landscaping, cleaners, the list goes on and on. I sold my home with OfferPad. Start your free request today at OfferPad.com. And now this next one here, we I believe we've actually talked about it to some extent um, on this show before in switching your uh, switching where you're racing due to the equipment. So John Henry Nemechek is leaving full-time cup ride for a full-time truck ride over at Kyle Busch Motorsports. Freddie, you can start this one. I give him credit because – a lot of guys wouldn't do this. A lot of them guys get to cup and they refuse to go back. No matter what it is, you know, they, they don't want to go back. And and we've talked about on here before, what would you rather do? Go to the trucks and, and contend to win races every week or run 22nd in a cup car? You know, and I think you're going to make a name for yourself winning races in the truck series versus, I mean, we talked about John Hunter did a great job. John Hunter did probably better than anybody's done in that front row stuff. But is that going to translate to a better ride in the cup series? versus going out and maybe contending for winning a championship. Um, you know, I, I think it's a great move. I think more guys should be willing to do that when, they, when they're when they at one of them second or third tier cup teams, be willing to go back and run, you know, cup races, uh, Xfinity or truck races, and contend for wins. Um, I think this is a move by John Hunter to maybe get back in the to- – not get back, but get into the Toyota fold. Um, I think I see uh, some guys that are seeing this 2311 racing – uh, as maybe an opportunity to get some more cup seats in the Toyota program. Um, you know, there's guys coming through like uh, Harrison Burton maybe or or maybe John Hunter. If John Hunter goes out and lights the world on fire and gets some sponsorship money, he could be, you know, I could easily see Denny expanding this to a two- or three-car team within the next handful of years without an issue, you know, as long as NASCAR has no issues with it. So, um, you know, I think it's a, a move to to go back and win races it's maybe a move to get affiliated with the Toyota program and 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 put yourself set up for the future. Do you think that that was Hemrick's plan by going to Gibbs in an Xfinity car was to get in the good graces of Toyota? I think I think there's a lot of people that are probably seeing this 2311 deal as as an opportunity to get more competitive Toyota seats in the Cup Series and and Daniel Hemrick's one of them, John Hunter now is one of them. Um, you know, you're going to see guys like um, Harrison Burton, Brandon Jones. We talked about. Um, there's there's guys that are they're going to stay either get to the Toyota program or try to stay in the Toyota program now. Where before it was kind of get get to be the experience in Cup and then you got to or experience winning races like William Byron and and now where do you go? You know, what are you going to do next? So, um, but you know, I think I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm. I think the million dollar question on this whole John Hunter Nemechek situation is if he doesn't wreck Cole Custer at the road course, where were they at? Mossport or somewhere? Mossport. If he doesn't wreck Cole Custer at that race, would it have changed his career path? Because I know at that time he was in contention, TJ, to go potentially go to junior motorsports. And I know when he read Cole Custer, they completely took him off the radar and it changed his career path because of the way he decided to race. Now, was it exciting? Absolutely. Did it upset everybody at junior motorsports? Absolutely. Um, so, so you, I, I followed John Hunter Nemechek's career. I don't know him personally, uh, but I personally think he has that killer mentality behind the wheel. He wants to win. He wants to win the race. And, and because of that, um, I'm not going to, uh, question his his decision to go from running a C level car at the Cup Series level to an A level truck at the Truck Series level. If if I'm him 
and I've got the ability to make $5 million a year driving a cup car versus 300000 a year in a truck, I'm going to stay in cup because it's what's best for me personally. But he didn't have that opportunity. There's no way he was making a whole lot of money driving the car that he was driving. So he can now go back probably and make more money in trucks, have a chance to win races in trucks, which he had no chance of winning in cup, have a chance to win a championship in trucks. He had no championship. He had no chance of making a playoff over there unless something crazy happened, like what happened at Pocono with Busher that year, right? Well, he was gonna, honestly, he was going to win Talladega until Eric Jones turned right into him, or Blaney or somebody did. He was going to win Talladega. Um, yeah, I mean, but, you're, you're going to have a miracle winner every now and then. But, I mean, he, he didn't win a race. And, and so to go back. Not a mile and a half. For, like, he wasn't competitive at them races like that. Uh, but but he early in the year, he surprised all of us on how competitive he was. And I think it speaks to how talented he is. Now, the problem is the teams around him are more resources. Guess what they did? They got faster. The drivers didn't necessarily get better. The cars just got faster. So he went from being able to run 12th in a surprise to back, right back to 27th where he's you know going to run based on the economics of the sport. But, but I mean, TJ spots a lot of races in a lot of different series. Uh, obviously, I watch a lot of races in a lot of different series, and it's a hell of a lot more fun to run up front than it is run 25th. Yeah, I understand his, I understand his thinking on this. Like you said, money things probably fairly equal, probably pretty close to being equal, probably not a significant change there. Uh, he's going to go and, and be competitive. I think he can – I think he can win a handful of truck races this year. You know, he, he's going to – he's shown me even in a B truck, he could run near the front in the trucks, and now he's going to – he should have some grade A trucks. So now it's time to perform. Now it's your – now it's, the stage is set for him to show that he can win in the right equipment. And if he exceeds expectations here like he did in that cup car, because I think he went quietly, I think he – outperformed the equipment that he was in numerous times you know uh, he was better than the equipment that he the finishes were better than what they should have been he might get a shot what freddie said maybe maybe uh you know the guy runs good wins five six races here denny hey i'm gonna start a second team we got good cars this is my guy he can win in good stuff so that that opens the door for that you gotta to to move up in racing you need to be winning races and Chase Briscoe did it, and he went and said he needed to win eight, nine races, whatever it was, ten races, and he did that. Now what's he doing? He's driving a cup car. So if John Hunter goes and lights the road on fire and trucks, he's probably going to get a decent shot. Well, we talked about this, Brett. The you know A lot of people, I think, look at it like John Hunter made the cup. Financially, he's set. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question, and you, uh, you might not want to answer this on here. We can cut it out. But... Do you think Chase Briscoe will make more money in 2020 or 2021? Oh man, I don't know what is uh, what, what exactly the specifics of his his deal, Freddie. But I know these rookies are signing contracts for significantly less money than they were even three to four years ago. And, and there are some guys in the Cup Series that have even been around a while that are signing contracts for significantly less money. I think the problem is. Uh, the amount of unsold races. And I think race teams are essentially looking at the drivers and saying, hey, we have unsold races and guess who's paying for them? 
you are. You're not going to make some big con. You're not going to come in here and get some guaranteed big contract. We're going to cap how much money you can make, and that's going to let allow us to go out here and really put our budget together, knowing that we don't have to pay you a driver a big lump sum of money. And again, I mean, there's guys that are in major major organizations right now that aren't making big bucks, and and I think it comes down to those unsold races. I mean, TJ just said, go win races, you can move up. Yeah, but you also better have sponsorship to move up, right? So um, this new car that's coming along that everybody keeps talking about, the savings, the savings, the savings. I think teams in 2022 spend an enormous amount of money to get ready for this new car because anything that's an upstart requires a lot of capital up front to do so. This car is extremely different. I mean, I was talking to a NASCAR official uh, this week, and he made the mention of you have to put the seat in the car before you put everything else in the car because of the construction of the car. The tungsten right now, the way it's built, it won't fit in the frame rails. Um, so that's got to be redone. Like they're, they're, we, we're looking at major, major, major cost increases in 2022, not cost savings. So I wish people would stop t- saying that publicly um, because sponsors hear that and they go, oh, well, Oh, I'm going to get to pay less money. Dude, there ain't a team owner ever going to a sponsor and said, hey, we're giving you 20% off because we're spending less money. Teams are still going to spend the same amount of money that they're spending. What they're trying to do, and TJ may agree with me, he may not agree with me, what they're trying to do is make it to where if you have $10 million and your front row motorsports or your whatever motorsports, you have a chance to be competitive. But at the end of the day, these guys with big budgets, and look, there's four of them. It's Penske, it's Stuart Haas, it's Hendrick, and it's JGR. Those guys have money. They have resources. They're the number one OEM within their category. Good luck going out there and trying to outrun those guys. I don't care what kind of car you put on a freaking racetrack. Yeah, I think uh, I think they're trying to get make the box smaller for people, you know, so people can be, you know, more competitive in that area. It's easier to get into that area. Which I think the new car will open the doors to that a lot as well. Uh, I think, um, man, I don't know how that, there's so many unknowns about that car. It's too early to tell anything, you know, competition-wise, how it's going to be, you know. uh, I'm not sure on that yet. But they they are spending less money. For sure, I'm afraid about your, back, back to your question, man. Uh, obviously, I managed Elliot Sadler for for twenty years, and we signed some really nice multi million dollar contracts. And having uh, helped other drivers and teams garner sponsorship, listen, man, there are guys making ten million plus back in the day, and there's still a few that are right. But but these new guys, whoo! I don't know how you can realistically. Uh, in some of the cases, even afford to have a manager on, on their salaries. And at the end of the day, man, if you don't have a manager, you're in trouble. Yeah. I don't care who you are because you need that guy helping you you know, mold your professional career. You need him helping you with your brand. You need him helping you sell sponsorship, helping you sell endorsements. And ultimately, when you get in the car, knowing that all you got to do is race and I have to worry about all that stuff, right? Brandon Reynolds, for example, he did a lot of that for Noah Gregson. And then they hired uh, uh, Joey's management company, Lagana. What's it called, TJ? Clutch. Clutch. Yeah. So so then they went out and hired Clutch. Warren Vigas, who worked for me uh, for several years now, manages Joy Logano, right? And and manages helps manage Noah Gragson. Like if 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 you're a guy um like Noah Gragson who's trying to make it the cup and you get a cup deal, whoo, it's hard to it's hard to really pay a manager, a good manager, to go out and do the things that need to happen, man. So um, the the landscape has changed a lot and I think the drivers have took a significant beating uh, on the pay, on the pay thing, pay arena of things as far as as what they're making, man. But also, you got to look at these drivers. 
they aren't bad. 15, 20 years ago, there was a big sponsor that wanted that driver. You know, there's a huge sponsor that wanted that driver, and they were going to go, you know, no matter what. Now, a lot of times, you know, there's not – big sponsors aren't sold on these guys that are getting in these cars yet. So it's hard to have that huge sponsor for all the races all year, you know, so – I think that's a big part as well. I think the guys that have the sponsors are getting paid. You know, there's guys that are that are bringing sponsorship dollars that are that are that are cashing in. But my point was just that, you know, when you have a guy, a lot of the stuff is based on bonuses. You know, like where you got a flat salary and you're going to get a percentage of the purse or percentage, you know, a certain amount of bonuses for top tens, top fives, and wins. You go out and win nine Xfinity races and run in the top three every week. You're collecting a lot of bonus money on top of your base to where next year. If you set a similar base or maybe a little bit of bump in base and don't collect the the bonus money that you're going to be getting this year, you know your 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 salary or your which we, what you end up making is probably going to be pretty close to the same. I I think in in 1999 and 2000, man, if you were a rookie, if you were a Buckshot Jones, for example, everybody's heard the name Buckshot Jones. If you haven't Google the guy, right? Great guy, <laughs> big time race car driver out of Georgia. I guarantee you his rookie contract base pay. Base pay was a million-dollar guarantee. And there's four areas where a driver can make a living, okay? He makes money off his base pay. He makes money, to Freddie's point, off of a percentage of purse. He makes money off of licensing, which is obviously retail. That's that track stuff you're selling or, or selling on the Internet or whatever. And then you make money off your endorsements. That's the four avenues a race car driver can get paid. And back in the early years, 99, around 99, 2000, a rookie like Buckshot's coming in, signing a million-dollar contract plus purse, Okay, plus T-shirts, plus endorsements. So he's easily going to make three, four million dollars. There are drivers right now that are making nowhere near that. And we're 20 years later. And I think this is going out on a limb. I think RTA plays a big hand in that. And I think sponsorship plays a big hand in that. But these drivers willing to sign these deals are also playing a big hand in that. You going to spot for you going to spot cup next year, Freddie, for half the money what you're making right now? No, sir. No. TJ, you're going to spot it for half the money you're making right now? No, nah, it ain't going to happen. But there are guys that are willing to come in and do your job for half the money. And, and, and that's what we're seeing right now in the driver market, in my opinion. And see, that's what I'm trying to do in the TV industry. I'm trying to be the kid that's willing to come in and make half the money that one of these big guys are trying. If you know what I made right now, I'd take half the money that some of these TV guys are making. So I'm Mike, I'm da- Mike Davis is paying you like a million bucks to do this show with us, right? Yeah, yeah clearly. Everyone thinks I just bought the Biltmore. I jokingly put on I Facebook know. that I you bought just the bought Biltmore. A house, right? And people are like, Congratulations! Good that place looks beautiful. And I'm like, no one is clearly getting this joke. You should block all those people because they're idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Well Wait. you are getting your last name is Newhouse, and didn't you say you're getting a new house? Yeah, we're working on that. <laughs> Um, Freddie, is Derek Krause racing trucks again next year? Derek Krause is racing trucks again next year. You guys just lost your crew chief. Yeah, I know. Kevin Bellacourt. We've already got him. Fire. We've got him replaced already. <laughs> okay, oh, just making sure. Yeah, I mean that guy's already been there four days. He's <laughs> <laughs> the new guy's been there four days. Who's breaking this news? Nice. All right, last Jeez. one here on spot on spot off. I still don't know how to actually pronounce his name. Um, but Roman, is it Grosjean? Roman. Romain Grosjean. Grosjean. Okay, yep, there we go. Uh, obviously had a very scary... Hey, you're trying to get a new job and you don't even know how to say an F1 guy's name who about died. They're not going to hire me out there. 
Jesus, um, we got to teach you how to market yourself a little. You fixed your hair. Yeah, Congratulations. Hair. That yeah. helps. But you got to know how to say the F1 guy's name that about yeah. died. Are you going to be my manager next year, Brett, since you got all sure. this free time? We're, well, you, I'm going to tell you what you, we're not going to do. We're not going to sign for half the money. <laughs> you can't afford Brett, I promise you. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, anyways, uh, obviously, Big Wreck, um, you know, everyone's saying that the halo ultimately is what saved his life. So, um, definitely, definitely a scary situation. TJ, you want to start that one? Holy cow. What a wreck. I was scared. When I saw the car separated right behind where he would have been sitting, and I was like, oh, boy. Well, he's not there anymore, so where is he? Ah, uh, what a what a crazy wreck, man, and what a super test of safety for Formula 1 cars and the way everything. That was pretty much the worst possible accident that you could have had getting stuck in a guardrail like that. And for that guy to stand up and get out of that car is a miracle in my opinion Uh, fire everywhere you know could have been honestly without the halo he who knows what would have happened i don't know exactly where the guardrail went across there if it pushed back or something but in my opinion i think the halo was a big part of it and man safety big you know thanks to all the people that have been involved in formula one safety and and safety with all our cars we've had some really bad accidents in our sport to start the year and the guy missed what six races and came back and right we wouldn't even know what happened now we, we we were afraid we lost that guy too so you know big uh thanks for all the safety innovations that have happened in the last handful of years and the guys that put these cars together and take care of all that stuff yeah i think 100 percent that halo saved his life and it was interesting because he gave an interview afterwards i, I didn't watch all of them but there was one where he said he was very critical of the halo, a lot, which a lot of the drivers were because it affected the vision, you know, what they their you know, where their eyes were on the car and stuff. But, and we saw the same thing in NASCAR when they went to the Hans and the Hutchins device. A lot of guys complained about it, but I doubt you'll ever find a guy now. You go through the garage now, it's, I doubt there's anybody that complains about it. It's just, you know, when you, when there's something different, everybody else, nobody likes change. But I mean, this is a perfect example of this guy was critical of a, of a, of a new rule implemented and now here it is saving his life a couple years later. Yeah, I mean, I'll say, I'll say, I agree, man. I think the halo saved his life, and and, and I look at at the two wrecks, and I literally say that piece of equipment saved his life. I look at Ryan Newman's wreck, and I say it's an absolute miracle. This guy's still alive. I mean, yes, you can credit the the car, you can credit the seat, you can credit the helmet, but this guy took a car to the head. And he survived. If you watch that Ryan Newman wreck, when Corey LaJoy hits him, and what did Corey say he pulled for G's, 60 G's or something crazy? Yeah. Like, all of all of that, all of that freaking just momentum went right into the left side of Ryan Newman's head. Like, holy cow. It's insane that Ryan Newman survived his wreck. A complete miracle. This guy, obviously, a miracle, too. I mean, like TJ said, the car's cut in half. I feared for the worst when I saw the picture. It reminded me of uh, Michael Waltrip's wreck at Bristol, Mike Harmon's wreck at Bristol. A lot of guys in NASCAR that we've seen their cars just get complete, completely torn apart. Um, it, it just, it, it's, it's a reminder of how dangerous it is, man. We, we become immune to – we've not lost anybody, in my, my knowledge, uh, in the NASCAR world in a, in a crash since 2001. So you kind of become immune to how dangerous it is. Then you 
you watch Kyle Busch's wreck where he breaks both legs. You watch, you know, Newman's wreck where he takes a car to the head. You watch these guys go flipping down the racetrack, man. It's it's still so, so, so dangerous. And enough can't be said about the safety pieces on all the series. To, to Because, look, we don't need to see athletes – we don't need to see the sport or, or the, the families of these guys lose guys if we can prevent it. And I think that just speaks to how well the safety stuff and how far it's come. Seeing him step out of that car was unreal, man. That'll be one of the pictures of 2020 that'll probably never go away is him getting out of that car. TJ, did you see yesterday that the most searched athlete in America Ryan last year and the fifth most overall searched person in America last year was Ryan Newman? Yeah, that was uh, – and I give this some more time, it might – well, we had so much unknown period there of not – you know, what, what, how Ryan was doing. There was hours before we knew anything. Uh, we saw this guy stand up out of a car that was on fire under a guardrail and walk out like some sort of uh, – like like Patrick Swayze and Ghost, the thing, walks up out of the – you know, the bot Like he went out and sat right there next to the official like – Nothing even really happened. Like he had looked, I was like, holy cow, this dude, wow. Yeah. I mean, Dale Jr. obviously suffered some burns in a wreck years ago. And they were, they were terrible. Terrible. Well, he, well, he suffered, you're talking about, um, no, you're talking about the burns in a wreck. Corvette. From, yeah, and a Corvette at Sonoma. Yeah. 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 The, Sorry, not Daytona, Sonoma. Yeah. I, uh, and I, I saw them burns and they were, they, they were bad. Hey, these guys are not normal, man. They're crazy. Like you, these guys that strap into these cars that go as fast as they do and take the impacts they take when they wreck, man. These guys are these guys are crazy. Makes them special. Did you guys? Did anyone see the video that he posted um, after the, after his wreck about talking about what was going through his head when he was on fire under the guardrail and like yeah. his whole thought <clears throat> process? Almost makes your gut sink. Like hearing him talk about, well, you know what. I guess this is how I go out. I guess this is it. Like, hope this doesn't hurt, whatever. Like, he had a moment where he was like, I can't get out. Like, this is how it's going to end. And then is able to. Fortunately, of course, he was, like, talking about how his, his guys like, I got kids. I'm not going to let this happen. Um, you know, the one thing. good thing about this wreck is now Formula One's going to go back and probably make the car even safer than what it is. Dude, they got to get rid of those guardrails. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. about you shouldn't have, especially when they're, the guardrail is level out. with the <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, when it's with the when it's level with the driver's head, you know, like that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and then they flipped a car right after that all happened. They went back green and flipped a car, not but like a couple laps later, it was like, okay, this is just not a good race. At that point, you just cut, you know, cut it off, be done. Is it is it bad? Kind of off subject here with with R- Roman or Romain, whatever you want to pronounce his name. Is it bad that I hope that George Russell guy gets another shot in Hamilton's car? Yeah, no kidding. I hope he does, man, because he was going to – I was really hoping he won that race. It just goes to show you how good those cars are. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Fast, fast cars go fast. Of uh, of George Russell standing there, like, and he thinks that it was, like, 10 years old, waiting for an autograph from Lewis Hamilton. It's like, you think this kid knew that one day he was going to get to, like, drive Lewis Hamilton's car? This kid went from Hickory Speedway, right? No, that, that, that was a Fittipaldi no. kid. Yeah, that's oh, Fittipaldi. Oh, yeah, that's Fittipaldi kid. Yeah, Which he's... is another crazy story. You go from How do you go from racing a Hickory to <laughs> F1? Like, how awesome is that? And that? That kid, honestly, I met that kid on the roof at Daytona about, shit, I don't know how many years ago it was. Lauren Rainier had him on the roof, 
and he had him and uh that motocross driver that he that comes up there sometimes you probably saw him if i was up there i'm sure you were but i remember seeing him on the roof and i and i was like man that kid's young and here you go i guess he's formula one driver Hmm. that's awesome maybe we need to go win a championship at hickory we can go f1 racing I mean, you fall out of the seat. Yeah, we gotta we gotta work on winning truck races first. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, I gotta work, work on, on going to gym. We gotta work conditioning first. <laughs> I got a friend named Jim. Spells yeah. it different. <laughs> yeah, he's lonely because you never visit him. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we've got a world debut here for our lovely DBC listeners, and let's just say I watched the recording of this initially, and it was quite hilarious. So you guys are releasing your first single off of your Christmas album. Um, the DBC listeners are definitely in for a treat. So let's take a listen here. I dread this. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. Over the fields we go, laughing all the way. <laughs> bells on bobtails ring, making spirits bright. Oh, what fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open Merry Christmas. Police now that Merry Christmas. Wow. I'm expecting a record deal. That's straight to the top guys. of the charts right there. I don't know what anybody else is thinking. Impressive. Yeah. Freddie I mean, I- kind of sounded like Barry White. TJ kind of sounded like Sinatra. And I sounded like absolute. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you sounded like Gwen. It was nice. Oh it sounded like somebody was, I don't know. I don't know how long it took Jason to do that, but I really don't know why we... Like five minutes. Well, then why did we not do about four or five more songs, man? We could have hmm. really brightened up the Christmas spirit. Next year we're going to have songs. an album. What song you would you have sang, TJ? Your other song? Alexa, Alexa, play Door Bumper Clear as Jingle Bells. <laughs> <laughs> Your backup oh, avenue of income. I think, you know, depends what kind of, you know, you... Look, I didn't you, bring much to the table in the whole thing. I'm so, I, I let you guys down pretty bad on that. Do we light the fire and, you know, Brett start off with Noel, you know, real slow kind of? <laughs> I think I think if we release that, we can get that album to go at least aluminum. I don't know about platinum. Yeah. But aluminum? We, I think we can get aluminum. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't I think, think we should do we, – we've got a, we got a Christmas song we did like season two or, or something like that. If we put the two together and we, when we release like two more, I think we could raise a bunch of money for charity, man. Love it. Yeah, Duggar, Duggar, and them country guys ain't got nothing on that. They better watch out. <laughs> better not cry. Blake, tell Blake to look out. Look over his shoulder. Here we come. Yeah. Here we come. Yeah. Speaking of Christmas songs, let's go to Extreme Fast Lane. Oh, 
Tracy said it. Time to go to Xfinity Fast Lane, uh, where we take our Xfinity speed from the track to the studio. We'll jump into the weekly Fast Lane segment where we'll ask these guys six questions. Time each person to see who can answer the fastest, how many they can get right. Uh, usually only one gets anywhere near, which means, Freddie, you are up first. I'm ready. First one here. According to the popular song, what did a reindeer do to grandma? Ran her over. Got it. What did other reindeer not let Rudolph do because of his shiny nose? Play reindeer games. <laughs> Correct. What was Frosty the Snowman's nose made of? Carrot. Wrong. But Which state led that the was U.S.? Something. That was another body part. <laughs> <laughs> Which state led the U.S. in Christmas tree production? North Carolina. Wrong. How do you say Merry Christmas in Hawaiian? Merry Christmas. Wrong. In the 12 days of Christmas, <laughs> there are how many drummers drumming? Three. Wrong. All right, you start off good. Got two right. That's um, Frosty's nose is made oh, of a button. button. Damn, it says it in the song. Corn cob pipe and a button nose. That's dumb. And Oregon is the top producing Christmas Oregon? trees. Where? Oregon? Oregon? Where is that at? What country is that in? <laughs> you mean Oregon? Yeah, Oregon. 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 <laughs> Can't talk about organs on here. Dude, you, don't worry, Jason. I say it the exact same way, and people say the same thing to me. How so. do you say yeah. it? It's o- Oregon. Never been there. Oregon. Oregon. What did he say? Oregon. Oregon. Oregon, yeah. It's like a shape. I thought he coaches at LSU. Oh, that's a <laughs> point. Jason, do you know how to say number five? Yeah, I think so. There's a song about it. Hawaiian, yeah. Mer- saying Merry Christmas in Hawaiian's Meli Kalikimaka. Oh, yeah. I would have known that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah. how I didn't get that one. Uh, and there's Akuna, 12 drummers Akuna drumming. Akuna. I would have never guessed that one. I don't know. 12 drummers nope. drumming. So, Freddie got two of six. All right, Brett, you're next. To Christmas music, Freddie. All right, let's go. Where was baby Jesus born? Jerusalem. Bethlehem. Hey, Bethlehem. Don't oh, I get it? I get nah. Wrong. Nah. Wrong. Nah. Next. You guys can't screw me over on the Jesus question. What did Frosty the Snowman do when a magic hat was placed on his head? He came to life. Wrong. Danced around. You got to think more before you give your answers. Right. <laughs> You're over two. Elvis, Elvis isn't going to have a white Christmas. He's going to have a Christmas of what color? A blue yeah. Christmas yeah. without you. What country started the tradition of exchanging gifts? Uh... Syria. Wrong. <laughs> Visions of what dance in children's heads? Sugar plums. Got it. In the 12 days of Christmas, how many French hens are there? Was there four French hens? Wrong. Three French hens. There's three Dude, French hens. You've got to think you just, before you speak. Just think before you, you got, speak. You've got I've two. got everyone I'm right except Syria. You got two right. Yeah. The Christmas tradition exchanging gifts was Italy. Do you remember when I was getting engaged and John did that Facebook Live? Were you on there? And a guy from John's doing a, my brother's doing a Facebook Live video of me getting engaged for like my mom and my sisters. And uh, why would Brett be there then? No, it's, well, I didn't know if he was watching. I can't remember. <laughs> I was at Myrtle Beach. I just wasn't there. And uh, some, but John's like, he's, I hear him in the background. He's, he's filming it. It was on like Periscope. And somebody from Syria like popped in there. And the, the video is me, like, getting ready to ask Megan to marry me. And all of a sudden, the video turns around, and John goes, don't you f*** with us. And then it goes back to... <laughs> 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 and 
and then it goes back to watching me and Megan. <laughs> Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. Oh god. All right, TJ, you're next. All right. Um, who tried to steal Christmas from the Who's of Whoville? The Grinch. Got it. In the movie Elf, what was the first rule of the Code of the Elves? Hey, stop. I want TJ's hands in the air because he's Googling. I see him read. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Continue on. What's rule number one? Yep, in the Code of Elves uh, from the movie Elf. Uh, put syrup on everything. I don't know. What what brought Frosty the Snowman back to life? Oh, this the what do you mean the hat? I don't know. What kind of hat? The top hat. No, close. The magic what country? Hat. What country does eggnog come from? Eggnog. Uh, I don't know. Italy. Wrong. Which one of Santa's reindeer has the same name as another holiday mascot? TJ, yours are hard. <laughs> I don't know. Prancer? Wrong. What the heck? How many maids are milking in the 12 days of Christmas? Hey, you got it. Oh, saved yourself. Two out of six. You tied with them. I knew you'd know the answer to that. <laughs> the, first, Lord. the first rule of the Code of Elves is to treat every day like Christmas. Second one is a syrup then or something. <laughs> Frosty came back to life with a silk hat. Eggnog is from England. Mm. Cupid is has the same name as another holiday mascot. And he's a Santa's reindeer. I never and yeah, you got eight maids are milking. So we got a tiebreaker. How many gifts in total were given in the 12 days of Christmas song? Freddie, you guess first. I don't, wouldn't know this one either. Uh, 31. Okay. Brett. 60. TJ. Shoot, it'd be like a Hunter song. No. Hunter. 100. All right. Yeah, you're closest. It's 364, but since yeah, the song repeats itself so many times, there's a ton of. You got to add it all up. So 364. So congratulations, TJ. You've gotten really good at this. That's a true question. Man, we're always thinking fast on Door Bumper Clear. At least most of us are. And so will Rudolph. He's anticipated to have the Xfinity fastest lap around the world on Christmas. You know something else that's fast? Xfinity X5. Man, it's more than speed, too. It's reliable, secure, so you're safe and connected throughout your entire Christmas home. And speaking of Xfinity, follow at Xfinity Racing on Twitter and stay connected with exclusive behind-the-scenes NASCAR content. Shout out to Xfinity, premier partner of NASCAR and our amazing podcast. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs> hey, I watched I'm that movie last there. night. Really? Home Alone 2? Yeah, I'm surprised there was no Home Alone references in any of this stuff, man. Jason, Jason I don't I know what that Jason is. Jason wasn't born yet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, 2020, right. man. Uh, a crazy year. A weird year, a year for a lot of struggles, uh, but hopefully you guys find some uh, some joy in this holiday season. It's definitely going to be different as of right now. I'm not going to be allowed to be around my mom again, which uh, will be the same as it was for Thanksgiving, which really sucks. And it's hard on us as a family. We're, we're wanting to keep her safe and doing everything we can to keep her safe. And uh, I think that's the main thing, man. Just have a have a big giving heart. Be sweet to people. Don't be like the school teacher that I tweeted out that's screaming at the people on the sidewalk because oh they're not wearing masks. We still live in America. It's still a free country. Uh, I'm thankful to all you guys for listening, man. Can't wait to come back next year and make this show even better than ever. Better than ever. Better than Heather. Who's Heather? Uh, 
Well, love you guys. Merry Christmas, man. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, are you committing to coming? I've gotten asked this question 400 times. If you are spotting or not, are you committing to coming back? I wish people would quit asking me if I'm spotting. That's getting on my nerves. When I know what I'm doing for spotting, which ranges from nothing to a little bit to a little bit more than a little bit, I'll let you guys know. But right now, I don't know what that means. But I'm saying you're, you're going to do the podcast either way. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. Want, nobody wants to know if you're doing AJ part-time, Brett, or anything else. I mean, nobody wants to know any of that. Well, hold on. I have to clear this up. I am spotting for Jeb. Because after AJ got announced he was full-time, everybody just assumed I bailed on Jeb already and was going to do AJ, which is not the case. I am still spotting for Jeb. I don't know who is spotting so, yeah, for Don't AJ. leave any doors open for anybody else. <laughs> well, he's, I am he's not, not spotting it. for AJ in the Xfinity Series. I promise you. I'm not saying I won't spot any for AJ in the Xfinity Series because you never know what's going to happen. I will not spot full-time for anybody in the Xfinity Series next year. Period. Well, welcome to AJ's part-time gig. <laughs> What's he running? Uh, won't you tell us? I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe ones where we put restricted plates on and, and turn right. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I'm all for that. I'm telling you right now, if I can do all the plate races and all the road courses in Cup and Xfinity, I will be the happiest I've ever been in my life spotting as a, as as an as an as a as a as a as a parent not as a spotter but as a parent i thought you were going to help me on the road courses now you're getting your own kid well, no data, that's what i'm saying the data I'm says like, he's I doing be, a part <laughs> i might i might be helping you i don't know what i'm doing when i know what i'm doing i'll tell y'all first how about that <laughs> he's getting flustered his, his, his face matches the walls now I for know, some reason i know y'all think i know what i'm doing but i don't know what i'm doing there's too much i know for a fact you on. never know what you're doing so i mean that's true <laughs> I'll see you on the roof in Daytona. <laughs> I hope I'm on the roof in Daytona, but if I'm not, I'll be fat and happy somewhere else. I know where that's uh, to. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Look, when that, ske- when that schedule came out, TJ, it couldn't have been any freaking worse. They want us to go to Daytona for the Clash. They want us to go to Daytona for the Duel. They want us to go to Daytona for the 500. <laughs> and they want us to turn around and go back to Daytona for a road course. Do you know how much money I was spending in the Oyster Pub in 20 freaking days in Daytona? <laughs> well... If I win Freddy's football pool thing, I'll sponsor you some of it. You lucky son of a <laughs> You son of a bitch had the Raiders this week and should have lost along with like five other people. That's the dumbest cornerback in the league. He should be fired. Oh. What are you talking about? He saved Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> he saved Christmas in New York. Yeah. <laughs> Man. All right. Anyway, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, awesome. Like I said, awesome to see you guys that I ran into at the race this weekend. Uh, awesome to hear from you guys on Twitter, reviews, whatever. It's been a great year. Uh for the podcast um obviously crazy year for everything else hopefully everybody just takes care of themselves and has a good holiday season we'll uh we'll be back soon yeah same thing as they said thanks everybody for listening and wanting more of the nonsense that we put out most of the time there's uh <laughs> it's uh a bunch of bs sprinkled with some racing and uh, apparently we get pretty good at doing it so hope everybody has a safe holidays and thanks to offer pad xfinity for putting up with us and somehow enjoying the content that we can we can create and even jason his first full-time year i know he got snagged off of us to go uh be dillner's secretary so (laughs) hannah for filling in for casey casey we welcomed a new dbc member to the family this year with casey we talked about it before it happened then it finally happened so 
Hopefully the same type of stuff can happen for Hannah. (laughs) 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 Thanks again, everybody, for putting up with us. Hannah, thanks for uh, Hannah, thanks for seriously for filling in. You did a great job, and uh, obviously, best wishes to Casey during the holiday season. First Christmas with Chloe. Uh, I, I think it's funnier than hell when they give babies wrap Christmas gifts that are that are that age, and they a don't even know that it's a gift, and b they don't know how to unwrap it, and then c they video them unwrapping it, telling them what the kid is, and the kid has no idea what it is. I had kids around that time of year, and I would just sit in my house going, "Do they honestly think this kid has any idea what the hell is going on right now?" They don't. So when you guys see videos of that this year, I hope you get a laugh out of it. But, hey, thanks for listening all year. Love you guys. Last time in 2020, we out. Holla. Word. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you Happy New Year. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.